Yeah, it's the orange pill to the red pill. But for me, the red pill is um, like the question is like, can we change society? The, the whole of society, the psychology of society that hasn't changed in thousands of years. Everything else outside has changed, but our psychology hasn't. And so I think big, this is, the, I, I said on Twitter, I said it's the Trojan horse to fight. Welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. I'm your host, Luke the Pseudo Finn, and I'm here with Knut Svonholm and Nico from Consensus Network. Today, we have a great new guest on for the show, but before we introduce him, uh, first we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the fun time that uh, Knut and I, we had in, uh, in Riga for Baltic Honey Badger. Knut, you want to uh, talk a little bit about this one? Yeah, we, we met in, in real life for, for the first time, Luke, and uh, yeah, that was all fun. And uh, yeah, Luke helped me out with selling books and t-shirts and, uh, you know, got to got to uh, um, say hello to a whole bunch of other Bitcoiners there. And uh, like always, conferences are are uh, a great experience and you get to to, to mingle with, uh, with other Bitcoiners. That's that's the best part about them. Uh, I was there for uh, eight days, I think, or seven days, maybe. So I was there for quite long. I was doing the Noob Day, which the Wizard of Oz uh, pulled together a couple of days before the conference uh, with Gigi and Giacomo and a couple of others. And uh, yeah, and um, then we, I had a talk at the main conference, and uh, yeah, we were. We were in the booth there representing consensus with uh, Daniel Prince and and Jimmy Song of of all people decided to to pop in beside us and uh, sell his books as well. So we had a bit of a hat competition, me and Jimmy. <laughs> and, I'm surprised uh, I wear the hat on the on the show, Knut. I guess you're indoors, so you don't need it or something. It's kind of hard to get it on while you have the headphones on, so that's why I don't have a hat on the show. Otherwise, I, I feel very naked without my hats. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we had a swell time in Riga, and um, I'll be attending a bunch of more conferences this this fall. If all goes according to plan, uh, hopefully end up in Madrid a couple of days before the Bitcoin conference in Amsterdam. I'm ho- hoping to get be able to get to Madrid as well with my. Uh, the the uh, Spanish translation of sovereignty through mathematics, which was just released uh, an hour ago on the Consensus Network, very happy to have that done finally. So uh, the Spanish edition is out, guys, and uh, this is the first edition with a newly designed cover as well. We're we're going to re-release the old uh, books. They've been re-edited and re-proofread and uh, redesigned. So looking forward to all of that. But as I said, I hope to to be able to do Madrid and then Amsterdam. Uh, After Amsterdam, I'm going to Sofia, Bulgaria for a conference there. And then after that, I'm going to the Liberty in Our Lifetime conference in Prague uh, in the end of October. Uh, And after that, I'm planning to go to Madeira uh, to come visit you guys again. (laughs) 
and uh, bring my family this time, show them around a bit. So, so much for OPSEC, but that's what I'm doing <laughs> the next couple of months. And thank you for all the help uh, in Riga, Luke. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, we, I think we had a, a really good time. Uh, it's, it's, it takes a, about a week after a conference like that to, to, to uh, take it all in, how much all the stuff you've, you've been through and all the, all the people you got to talk to. It's, it's kind of amazing when you think about it in hindsight. Yeah, it was a great time. There are so many, so many people there who I've known from uh, seeing YouTube videos or interviews or or whatever. And uh, it's awesome to to see everyone is a real person in in real life, and uh, and and everyone else from the Bitcoin community too. It's just such a such a nice environment, and uh, the the place was full too. It was absolutely packed. They they need a new venue next time, I think, because uh, because this one was honestly it was too small. Yeah, it was. And the funny thing about Bitcoin conferences is, it's like, you can see how Bitcoin levels the playing field because everyone's just—it's just a broship, a bromanship, or a bromance, a big bromance, all of it. Well, there are about five percent women in the crowd as well, but uh, but uh, mostly it's just you know, dudes hanging out and and being on the same level. Uh, like you can be talking to a billionaire or. Uh, <laughs> a prince or or whatever and uh, or, or just some pleb that uh, that owns like a, a fraction of a bitcoin it doesn't matter everyone's just friends and everyone's just friendly to one another so it's it's a really really good environment to be in and uh, thanks to hodl hodl for for pulling together such a such an uh, awesome event yeah it was a great time i i uh, i'll be going next year definitely and I, I hope I can make it to more conferences than than that. But you're you're certainly running a, a, a busy travel schedule, Knut. Yeah, I hope to to meet that one day. Match it. Yeah, I'm uh, taking this opportunity to to do Bitcoin philosophy full time. To, to like, I'm I'm trying to do it for real. Uh, this is this is my career now, and I have to I have to get used to that. So 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 why not why not just do them all and. Uh, yeah, hope to see you out there. Anyway, we have a guest today uh, who I haven't spoken to for a while, and I'm looking forward to that. Can you can you tell us a bit more about our guest, Nico? Thank you, Knut. Thanks for the recap and thanks for the salty tears. I've been uh, listening to <laughs> great stories about Riga. I wasn't able to go again, third year in a row. Uh, next year, maybe that's the charm. But yeah, awesome to hear about uh, all the stories. But I'm also super psyched about our guest today, one of our uh, new original authors and my personal friend, a man of the mind, spiritual guide, great guy all around. And we're going to be talking about his, uh, his book about decentralized mind. Rob Brindet, please be welcome to the show. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks uh, for joining the Freedom Footprint Show. Cheers, Luke. Yeah, I, uh, I had an ice bath just before coming on so that I was kind of in that finished fight and I'm, I'm shivering still. So if, if you see me shivering, it's not because I'm nervous. I'm just trying to get over this ice bath. <laughs> You're on. You should change your uh, handle to pseudo-vim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. And it's so... Uh, is, I'm so excited to be part of uh, Consensus. 
Yeah, Rob, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got connected with Consensus and uh, and then, of course, about your book? Yeah, so um, where to start? Well, um, in terms of in terms of Madeira, um, I've been nomad for quite a few years and I was going to move to uh, Mauritius because um, of the sun and it's beautiful and everything. I can work. Uh, I've, I've been online since 2008. So I've been, you know, um, professional earning my money uh, online for quite a while. Um, but when the lockdown happened, Mauritius locked down super hard and it would, you know, that just, I was like, I can't be, I can't be moving to somewhere that will, um, can separate parents from their kids and, and stuff like that. So literally that same day I was in Barcelona and I went, shit, um, Mauritius is out. We can't go there. And then someone walked past me and said Madeira. And I was, I kind of, you know, when one door closes, you've got to keep your eyes and ears open for, for the next one. Um, and then later that day, I was talking with someone. They said, oh, we just come back from Madeira. And I was like, okay, where's Madeira? What's going on? And it just so happens to be an island. So um, you might hear my little uh, girl screaming in the background. She usually starts when there's a podcast or something. Um, and, yeah, so I, I was on Twitter and I was searching about Madeira. And then Andre said, hey, come to Madeira. So, um the whole family went there. For, we were here last year for a few months, and we I met Andre in the Central Park, and we just boom. Um, I was like, "Oh my god, this place is amazing!" and and Andre was like, "Oh, you're going to move here," and I was like, "Let's make things happen here." And uh, so it, that's really how then I I came over for you know the association the con- the conference meet. She was just amazing, and I got to meet Nico, and uh, we hit off really well. <clears throat> and our kids are best friends now, and so we now in the playground or in our swimming pool, um, a little bit of VR, and uh, yeah, so that's how I got to know uh, Nico. And I'm not sure if that was a good tangent. But yeah, and just for a bit of uh, context for our, our listeners is that uh, Madeira seems to be turning into one of these, uh, I don't know, Bitcoin Mecca spots. And uh, uh, you've heard, uh, 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 Rob, you mentioned Andre, and I'm, I'm sure Andre will uh, will eventually make it either onto this show or he'll, he'll be uh, around, but uh, not to ruin anyone's OPSEC, but he's a... Uh, He's a Madeira guy, and uh, publicly so. Uh, but but yeah, I, and and I, and I've had the same uh, experience now of uh, of hearing all the good things about Madeira. So I'm I'm uh, I think I'm on my way as well, at least for a visit, and uh, maybe we'll see about some uh, something more long term than that. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks Rob. So so I guess um, if you wanted to give us a little bit about either your um, any more about your background, your Bitcoin background, and and into uh, the the book somehow sure. um yeah so my my background's in elite sport um i was head of strength and conditioning and injury prevention for chelsea football club <clears throat> back in late 90s and the 2000s um and that um that actually is how i kind of got into um the idea of this centralized mind and decentralized mind. 
um, which I talk about in the book, um, The Decentralized Mind. Uh, and it's kind of a little bit, uh, if I can kind of set stage for this centralized mind, how I see it, and then you, you're going to see how the decentralized mind comes along. So uh, there was two, two things that happened to me while I was at Chelsea. Uh, one, I'd spent, uh, I trained with um, some of the best in the world in different areas to do with um, being able to resolve injuries or understand why the body um, positions itself like it does. I, I worked with eye specialists like dentists, um, fascial experts, movement experts in you know France. I, I travel and because you know I, I was working for a club that was very high intensity. I could um, you know fly anywhere I wanted to and work with people and. I did a very advanced uh, assessment of the posture of, of the athletes at the time. <clears throat> we had like 280 million pounds worth of playing players. And my job was to keep them fit. And it was very high pressure. Like I said, uh, Jose Mourinho was the manager. Um, Roman Abramovich would, could come in with his billions. And so my job was to try and keep them uh, playing. And what I'd noticed, so um, in, in in the closet, I'd been doing a lot of uh, work on, on myself, like looking for why I had injuries or why I was unhappy. Um, and so I had this, um, I worked for the medical team, so it was all very medical and scientific. And then in my own time, I was working on the more, I suppose you could call it spiritual or looking for why I was, you know, I had uh, certain emotions, uh, you know, uh, feeling depression, anxiety, etc. And what I noticed as I, as I worked with players is when a player was stressed, he was more likely to be injured. And so the way my brain works is I'm very good at patterning. Uh, I pattern things. So, um, I'm not such a good linear thinker like the medical team, they're very linear. I could, I was always taking in lots of information at once and making patterns out of it. And so I noticed that players were, <clears throat> when they were, had certain emotions or things going on off the pit, they were more likely to come in and see me with pain or literally get injured. Um, this could be seen, you know, if there's a player who has a very important game um, and there's pressure on him to perform he's more likely to get injured and if there's someone who's vying for his position that pressure will show up in an injury and so um, if you look for these patterns they're there and um, uh, so I I had this very um, very advanced assessment where um, I would place players on these expensive weight weight systems to check their weight um, to see if they, um, it's called a weight shift test, and I do videos and photos, check eyes, check teeth, if there's pre-bites, check for scars and use laser pens to neutralize the galvanic current, which can twist the body, it's like pretty advanced. Um, and I remember there, this player walked in that at the time was, was the best in the world, and he stood on the, um, the weights and a four pound difference is significant. So he stepped on, he was eight kilos. Uh, let me 
yeah, eight kilos heavy on one leg. Anyway, so he's he's standing there and he's shifted over eight kilos heavy on one leg, which is an enormous uh, asymmetry. And so everyone in their speciality, and this is kind of like, uh, you know, the doctor standing there with a the needle, the chiropractor saying it's the neck, the podiatrist thinking it's short leg. And I stepped up to do my assessment and I said, and I, this thought in my head said, um, you do ask him about his emotions. You, like it was like a thing that came up. So in front of the whole medical team, I said, okay, um, what's the best sex you've ever had? So I was trying to elicit uh, a thought that was sort of positive. And so an hour later, he replied, that's my uh, joke for today, okay? Um, so, you know, the, the players, they, they have a lot of girlfriends. And, um, and it, I wasn't interested in what he was saying, but, you know, now I can see what he was doing. So if you look when people are searching for a memory, that it's like they're Googling. Their eyes are going, tick, 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 tick. they're looking up to the left, Googling, tick, tick, tick. and then he goes, I remember. And as I looked at, as, as I looked to the weights, he balanced perfectly on zero when he hit the thought, okay? And I was like, oh, holy shit. Like with all my skill, everything, all the hundreds of thousands I'd spent on my skill set, I could never have changed him by him connecting with that thought. And so what I did, I flipped it to a negative and I said, what's the worst? Um, I think I said, what's the worst moment of your life? And he got that really quick, like within, yeah, I remember. And you could feel him collapse internally, like his. So I was always very, um, I could pick up on energy and I'm not going into healing or anything, but I could, you can sense when someone deflates almost internally. And he went to nine kilos. And I looked at the, the medical team. I was like, oh, did you see that? And they just all glazed over. And the doctor just went, his eyes just went, Argh. it's like talking to someone about decentralization who owns um, Ethereum, like just sort of, um, and, and so that moment shook me, um, shook my understanding of the physical and the non-physical. And also at the same time I was training, um, I went to Michigan, Adrian, where I heard that there was a guy who had fixed Michael Jordan's knee. And, he taught me, so I'd always been like, um, you, you control the mind. Uh, the, your mind controls your body. So when I'm training athletes, I was like, keep your knees straight, keep your back straight, pull your stomach in, keep your shoulders back. And he taught me that that's not how the body works. You can't know this, the complex systems in the body and you have to the body is given, it's all given. You have to just facilitate this complex system. So I'm kind of cutting that one short, that story. I'll talk more about it in the book. But what I came to understand is the moment my mind, my centralized mind, got involved in a complex system that I, the arrogance to think I could say, yeah, keep your knees still. And he's got, um, Billions of cells and this nervous system, he's, his body knows exactly what it to do. For me to go keep your knees straight is like the government getting involved in the money system. Well, and, I, and so 
what I came to understand was I had to get the mind out of the body. And so that was my first understanding that one, there was more, much more going on than I understood of the physical. This was 25, you know, it's a long time ago, now 25 years ago, 20 years ago. And so this getting, getting the, the mind out of the body. And so that started my journey of, okay, this mind isn't all it's, all it's cracked up to be. And that actually, um, and I'd suggest that it, um, any time that you enter in using your mind in this reality, you always create the opposite. So, you know, some would say the church is a force for good. And then some would argue that it's force for evil. The moment you try and shape anything using your centralized big brain expert science mind, whenever you try and shape someone, you create the opposite. And so this, um, I'm kind of, I'm going to throw it back, back to you, but that's my, my physical training and my conditioning of athletes. I realized that I had to move towards what happened to this guy on the scales. That happened a long time ago, and now I can access that one and zero. That's a one and zero strong, strong week. And the, the Eastern philosophies, the Chinese knew this thousands of years ago, but they didn't have computers at that time. So if you hear me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, oh, that's all fascinating stuff, Rob. Uh, I'm interested in uh, how the book is coming. Like, uh, are you almost done with the book? Did you just start writing the book? Like, where are you in the process? Well, it's funny. Um, I was writing a very long article on Bitcoin, the Dow of Bitcoin. And the more I wrote it, the more I realized I was writing it to have kind of a sort of, to, to, sort of give a different angle on the Bitcoin story, like a more spiritual. And I was using, like, I was, I was probably trying to copy Robert Breedlove a little bit. And then I came to, you know, Nick, I talked to Nico about the book and he said, I love to have it. And I went, I started again, I kind of threw that away. And so I started not long ago, but actually it's, it's gone much quicker than I thought it would. And the more, and I'd love to talk to you more about this, Knut, because this is the first real, like, um, one that I put a lot of my energy and thought. It's all coming from the 25 years, so it's just going, and what I'm finding is I'm like, whoa, all right, 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 right. And then I start, I go away, and I go, oh, hey, shit, hang on. And then it goes in, the deeper and then that bridges and i'm like yeah uh, this is this is something i encounter all the time people uh, people ask me when did you start writing the book and i'm like when i was born i guess like yeah <laughs> what's the starting point i don't know is it when i pen the first word probably not there's always a thought preceding everything yeah and an insight yeah when, when we met when we went for the beer uh my brain was a bit cooked so you were coming out with this stuff and I was like, uh, I, I just spent a few days with, you know, all the Bitcoiners. And I was like, oh my God, I'm cooked. And so I kind of came away thinking, shit, I missed an opportunity with you over that bit. So I'd like to redo that. <laughs> that yeah, well, we found this really yeah. 
small yeah, place, didn't we? You, you'll you'll get a chance to do that in like uh, a month, uh, okay. a little bit more so than we'll a month. Yeah, uh, but, but, what, but what I love I, I love to talk about people's writing process because I, I'm figuring out my own. Uh, and I figure out uh, a couple of few things. First of all, I'd like to recommend a very short book by John Cleese called On Creativity. Okay. The, the audio book is just an hour long, and it's very funny. It's read by John himself, so he laughs at, it, at his own jokes, which is always like, uh, I mean, I love John Cleese, so, so, uh, and, but the book is full of these little insights about how creativity works. And, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, what else like because i i found it easier to to write when i when i don't know what the chapter is about <laughs> like i start with an idea but i but if i know the ending to the chapter then the writing process becomes slightly boring because it feels like i've read it already so so, yeah. I, so i want to figure something out in in uh, you know putting the ideas onto paper and uh, sorting them out. Uh, I'm always trying to find something writing <clears throat> in, in, in doing the actual writing. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I realized that I may be writing chapters that are not in order. And so I'm very, um, I can jump. Um, I can yeah. jump around and not be linear. So what I've noticed is, I have to have a little bit of an idea what the book is about. So I'm like, I'll be, I'll be like, and, and I do, um, someone told me last night that I'm not writing a book because I've been doing a little bit like this as well. What I do is I go to the Lido. Um, I go next the Lido? to the Lido. The Lido is the swimming, outdoor swimming pool on the rock. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I go that. there early in the morning and it's beautiful sun. So I'm increasing energy in my mitochondria good for the brain, um, next to sea, and I start walking around. And then I have Otter AI, the, the, trans, the v amazing uh, transcription thing on my phone. And I'm just like, and like you said, I think about this shit all day. When people think I'm not working, like they think nothing's going on. I'm like, if people go in my head, I think it would be, I think everyone, it's well. it's 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 almost as you yourself feel embarrassed for not putting in actual work but when you really think about it you're you are putting in the work because you go around and think about these things all the time. yeah but it's it's like well now we're getting into some deeper stuff like what is enough what is work so i i start and then an old woman will come and stand next to me and start singing you know it's you, you start attracting people to bug you. But I, I start moving around and I'm just offloading all this thought and then this chaotic things just beautifully coming together and then it's down. And then I stop and I go for a swim. And then I never push it. It just comes. And then I go home and it, it's um, on my desktop from my iPhone. And then I start going through it. And what I found is, Knut, is I'll, I'll read it and everything. And then I'm like, yeah, but what's this got to do? What, why? Why am I telling this story? And then I have to link it. And that linking is what I'm getting a little bit better at. It's like, well, that story with the weight shift. Okay, why am I telling that story? Because it's a fascinating story for me. Well, it's because of this. But then do people see my jump? Because I think sometimes 
I'm like, I've been thinking about this all my life, that someone's sitting in front of me going, yeah, but what's that got to do with? And so that's, that's the tricky part. Yeah, that's the tricky part is with my book, it's like I'm telling a story. Um, so the woman yesterday was saying, yeah, so you're not writing a book. I'm like, yeah, I'm writing a book. I get back in. But it's this idea that you have to kind of be on the typewriter, banging away in a lodge, you know, the mountains and, and drinking loads of coffee. Um, someone, I, I hear someone planted a redwood tree on Madeira. So there might be a, a, a forest suitable for, you know, futuristic dystopian writers yeah. in, uh, in just a few hundred years from now. There but, we'll have a William Gibson on Madeira. I did. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, if if we're talking about the the writing, um, this idea of the the centralized mind is we have. Let's let's say that it's um, let. So we have all of um, all of the conditioning of the world inside of us. All of the history of humankind conditioning within us. We have everything within us. This gets triggered in relation to others. So you know, you someone's rude, you 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 get triggered. So we learn about ourselves, the whole of ourselves, in relation to others. So meditation and, and the, the word spiritual and in healer, healer is like if you take your computer to a technician and you give you your computer and he's okay. I'm just gonna. It'll take about six months. I'm just going to put my hands on it and it's going to heal. You'd be like, all right, uh, just you can't fix my computer. I'll take it somewhere else. So healing implies time. And so um, I think healing, there's no time. The moment you get told the truth about whatever something is, it resolves it unless your bone is broken. So if there's a physical aspect to it. So um, why why was I talking about that? (laughs) So centralized mind, yeah. So when it comes to this self, so meditation is understanding the self. It's un- knowing the truth about yourself. Now, remember, if you, this is what I do for a living. I work with, you know, the billionaires, the world-class poker players, the athletes, the CEOs, the, the Bitcoiners. The moment you try and change something, about yourself using your mind, you perpetuate the um, imprisonment or you perpetuate the conditioning. So this this decentralized mind is where you observe your conditioning and your behavior around a particular subject. I can go more into this. I'm being a little bit abstract. And so with the book, the book my relationship to the book brought up all of my conditioning from my school and my parents and how I would like the, the teachers that told me, yeah, you're not good academically. You'll never make anything of yourself. You're lazy. You, you can't remember anything. And it just brought up a lot of, you know, you can't write. When I told my mom this and, and I'm going to say it, <laughs> I told him, she goes, oh, how many, of, how many books are you going to sell? And so my parents conditioned and oh that that's so sad i can totally relate to that and that's just sad the thing is never listen to the naysayers <laughs> no no 100 percent. but the the naysayer is in me like that's yeah, the yeah. real naysayer right so i'm writing and what i noticed was first of all i this came up and i observed it and i observed it uh, i started 
on the first article where I observed a lot of this behavior because it was blocking me from writing. I couldn't, I had the writer's block. I just didn't want to do it. So I had to observe why was I writing? I, I'll do it for the book, but I didn't most of this behavioral observ observation work with the article. And I saw, oh, well, I want status. I want, uh, you know, I have ambition. You know, I can prove to myself that I'm intelligent. Um, so I'm, there's the things up here that I'm aiming for, recognition, status, glory, ego. And there's on the other side is I don't want to be stupid. Uh, I want to get over this educational, you know, education that's limited me. And so I observed all of that. And it took me three weeks of observation. It was deep meditation. Meditation is observation in real time. It's not sitting in a cave with a long beard. Um, you know, that's just. It can be. <laughs> it, it can be. But if you want to, if you want to, if you want real meditation, have kids. Yeah. And yeah. Deep, I know. That's, that's, don't go up in a cave in the Himalayas. I, go if, have children and try and work and you got your kid throwing food at you and you'll that's when you learn about yourself right may i hope in for here for a while sure, sure. uh because I, I can totally relate to that uh, my, i got interested in medication uh, meditation and not the medication medication, well. meditation, <laughs> meditation after having kids and i was commuting to the to the my last fiat job uh which included a, a 11 minute ferry ride where I just sat in the car for 11 minutes doing absolutely fuck all. Uh, so, so that's where I decided to start meditating during those 11 minutes, once going to work and coming back from work. And I found it to be really, really good for transitioning between my work self and my, and my family self, which is something that is totally fiat and that you don't have to do if you work in Bitcoin, I guess. Uh, but uh, so, so that's my experience with meditation and uh, getting to know know my brain and how it works. And and sure. as you, as you say, it 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 certainly helps you overcome these preconditioned notions about yourself that you have that you you cannot do this or uh, you cannot do that. It's just just do something and see if it works. Throw it out there. See, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. That's that's like. Uh, Yes, that's a, a, a life hack I want to give to absolutely everyone on the planet. Don't be so fucking afraid of, of, of your limitations because most no. people, and that's that's another thing from Cleese's book about uh, when he, uh, and it's in one of his stand-ups when he tell, talks about his, uh, the people in his, the town he grew up in, Western Supermare. Where where, yeah, yeah, where 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 it seemed like everyone wanted to get into their coffins safely without ever having been seriously embarrassed, and I could relate to that so much that when I look at other people, that's that seems to be their goal in life. Like, uh, they they want their little boxed in reality and want things to be the way they are and not change and stuff. But the world is a dynamic place. I mean. And there's so much to explore and so much to, um, I mean, life, life, you, you can live a rich life full of experiences or, or you can choose not to. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're addicted to certainty, right? Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, to, Western Superman, they're just like everywhere yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah. And what, what I found is like people are very good at seeing risk in, in change, but what they don't see risk in is like not changing. Yeah. Uh, and and with within not changing lies some of the biggest risks of them all. 
like uh, you know, living a good, doing a, a rat race, a hamster's wheel type of, uh, and you uh, takes a toll on your family life and on your marriage and everything. Uh, and if you never take any risks, you never get out of that, and that's a certain, you know, bad outcome for life. Like hundred like, percent. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, another thing. Uh, this, while I still remember, it, you reminded something you said before reminded me of uh, a saying from my father, which is, "Behind every successful man stands a surprised spouse." Surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway i i think that that you could you could uh, uh of course it's a bit of a joke but but uh you can surprise yourself that's oh. that's uh, that's what's contained within that it's not only a surprised spouse i think most successful people are pretty pretty surprised themselves that that it actually worked their their little fiendish little plan that they came up with sometime in life and like i'm gonna do this and then did it and it worked yeah but it's uh, probably easier than easier than you think if you're a thinking person yeah yeah i i um the the writing experiences has has surprised me it surprised me in that I've enjoyed it and I'm, I'm enjoying it more and more. And just the other day, I don't know if I told Nico, but sometimes I'll get on and go, whoa, whoa. Um, and he'll get a little garbled message from me. But my wife, definitely, I, I went in and said, I'm enjoying this. I'm writing a book. I'm like, I said it like loads of times. I'm writing a book in there. I'm writing a book. And I know that's for maybe other people, but for me and my story and my um, and the conditioned the condition I had in my school, um, it surprised me. I never thought I'd enjoy writing, but I, cl- I actually reframe it. I don't say writing a book is I'm telling a story, a story yeah. about something I'm, I know really well. It's, it's very satisfying because it's like the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like telling your story is, it's a part of, it's a part of your journey. And yeah, yeah uh, I, I think it, Fascinating that that you're writing a book and that we have this to talk about for the rest of our lives now. This experience of <laughs> of writing. I've got, a book. I've got. I don't know if you experienced this, but I got uh, and and uh, I had to watch myself because I I saw my ego. Like I was like, I've got more books. I've I've got another book. I got. I know not. And then Nico was over. We were by the pool. The kids were swimming. I was like, "I've got another book." I'm blah, 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 and I, but then blah, 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 and then I was like, "Okay, just come back and finish this one." Yeah, uh, one once one book at a time. Is probably a time, probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Um, uh, if I'm not sidetracking you too much, uh, can we connect this to your Bitcoin journey somehow? Like, sure. how, what what did Bitcoin teach you? Is Bitcoin part of why you're writing a book now? And like, how, how did that, what's your relationship with Bitcoin now? And how did it change you? Oh, um, it, it, I, it sort of came in and, and, um, and then it came in on my journey of uh, understanding decentralized mind. I didn't understand decentralized at the time, but this, this work I was doing and this journey. And then uh, I was in Thailand with, high net worth client and he was having a big birthday bash and there was a high net worth 
um, friend, investor, poker player. And he's, and I say, Hey, what are you into? And he goes, I'm all in on this. I'm, I'm all in on this thing. And I was like, I listen to everything he says about money. If he's all in on something, I'm like, what's, I need to look at this. And he's, he told me, I remember a couple of things he said, but he said that and some other coins. All right. But he, he said, this is the, the important one, Bitcoin. And he said, one thing I remember, he said, you will only be able to hold it if you've done the proof of work. If you, done the work to understand it and to secure it because you have to take responsibility and secure it, then you, you, if you don't do that, you'll lose it. Understand that rule of this universe. You only be able to hold it for, you know, the value that you've, you have for yourself and that you've taken responsibility. So I started my journey was like the summer of 2017. I was there and then I bought all the way, you know, to the top and and then it crashed and then i um and then i started to it was it actually came at a time when i was doing a lot of work on value so i looked to my life and there was a lot of things that were doing well but i didn't understand value I didn't really value myself and, and didn't understand money so i started to dive into money and understand money and i read anthony robbins book and you know other books around money value and what i I just started to put all my energy into understanding value and Bitcoin was there. And I, and I had a friend who had gone in, who was into Bitcoin. He said, can you explain to me how the blockchain works? So I remember back to the uh, height of 2017, he was taking me as a coder, a computer scientist, taking me through the blockchain and understanding it. And I didn't understand it, but I knew that if I, it's like jujitsu, if you just keep doing it, you're going to understand it more and more. And so I got to understand it and I was buying all the way to the bottom. Uh, and when I was feeling sick, when it was, you know, like $4,000, I was um, really proud of myself. I was there buying, feeling sick. Um, so was what I. It, <laughs> what, what, it, what I understand, um, oh my God, what... <laughs> If we're getting into Bitcoin, it's like, um, first of all, I uh, understood it was the king. And then I understood, I started to understand the nature of centralized and the mind. So my understanding of my own work and how the mind and the ego always creates, um, you know, uh, if you shape using this kind of virtual reality, you're going to create the opposite. That's all I do with my work is help to do yeah, this reminds me so much. I have to give you a tip. <clears throat> uh, during Baltic Honeybad, your Gigi had a, an amazing talk about the dualities of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin is is one and the other. It's mm -hmm. it, it can simultaneously be one thing and the opposite of that thing. Like to some people, it's a religion. To, to me, it's financial atheism. So so it can be opposites uh, like that all the time, and uh, and it's neutral. There's yeah. no. It's there, and it, this idea that it was exploded outwards—it just—it was created or or found, discovered. It has yeah, that quality exactly. that is. The more you look at that, like I get shivers. Yeah, the, yeah the more, emergent. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm so <laughs> like people don't get that, but because the big brains, like, uh, and I, and I don't, I'm not being, you know, I, I understand that I also have. What I'm judging others on, 
okay? Because everyone has everything. But if I look at Vitalik, he's he's um, he's very intelligent. He's got a big head. Uh, he doesn't. He's not really connected with his body so much. He's he's very intellectual, and he's trying to shape things, um, centralized mind. And though uh, there's there's people who are caught in their mind and centralized. And then if you're into Bitcoin and you get that decentralized, there's a difference there in how you see the world, how you see systems. Um, yeah, you, you understand that it's, it's, uh, it's an idea we share among us. Otherwise, it's, not, it's worthless. It's yeah. like the rules of chess. Uh, that's the analogy I often use. Absolutely. And, and the, um, when you understand that this Bitcoin doesn't give a shit, I mean, there's so many angles. I'm kind of um, not doing a good job at expressing how important it is. When you know, you know, all these people are sort of bouncing off, their egos are bouncing off it. This thing is doing everything while doing nothing. Although it is, it is, you know, each block, 10 minutes, right? But it, there's no mind trying to shape anything, but it shapes us without shaping. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, Luke. Can we put uh, a link to Gigi's talk in the show notes afterwards? Because it's such a brilliant talk uh, about about these dualities within Bitcoin. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going into that more in my book as well. Because, um, it's just that's that's why I'm so bullish on this invention because it's much and discovery. I, yeah, it's the orange pill to the red pill. But for me, the red pill is. Um, like the question is like, can we change society? The the whole of society, the psychology of society that hasn't changed in thousands of years. Everything else outside has changed, but our psychology hasn't. And so I think big. This is the I, I said on Twitter. I said it's the Trojan horse to the mind. Exactly. It is. Um, people don't get it, and so people are talking about this on such shallow levels. Exactly. I, I totally agree. This is, what, by the way, what my talk was about in Riga, and I'm refining it now for Amsterdam uh, because we came to a, a, a couple of insights in Riga, having these great conversations with like Max Hillebrand and Gigi and Giacomo and all of these people. Uh, and, and you come to these, these fascinating conclusions, like us being nice to each other and us us giving each other stuff. It's just Gresham's law playing out on Bitcoin standard. You, you told me that in the pub. You, I you, came, you, 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 had a beer and you said, bro, I was just having this talk. Can I? And then you said, it's going to change the way we interact. With, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I hadn't, I hadn't refined it down to Gresham's law. Yeah. But the insight from Riga is like, that's just Gresham's law. Like right. we're more willing to give away our time and effort than our precious stacks. Right. So, so, so uh, being nice to each other is the quote unquote bad money in this sense that drives out the good. So we okay. keep our stacks. So we run this mathematical experience in the back of our heads, and that somehow enables us to be nicer people. And I just find that endlessly fascinating. So and that's why, with you, Knut, your uh, I, I was way you wasted it. Like I did take that in. This is nothing was coming back. But it, you're you're very good at seeing how this is going to change, like. Uh, the un the, it's the unforeseen consequences, the leverage of this thing. It's gonna it's and you're like, well, then it will do this and this. And what what I do inside uh, my I kind of go in, and 
but I'm not so good at wondering what the hell's going to happen with this thing. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing as everyone else, but, but I find it endlessly, thank you, by the way, I find it endlessly fascinating to think about. So I, I can't help myself. It's, it's like first principle thinking, like if this is like with my clients, I'm like, okay, so when you said that, well, that means that. And they go, yeah. And then if you step forward, if you jump too far, maybe you'll lose them. But what you're saying is um, the great, if you can you explain that law to me because I'm not uh, Gresham's Gresham's law states that bad money drives out good. So in a in an economy such as like Venezuela, for instance, where you have the Venezuelan Bolivar, people tend to want to spend that before they spend their U.S. dollars, which will okay. hold value. Uh, uh, U.S. dollars are a better store of value than Venezuelan Bolivars, you know, Turkish lira or. Uh, what are they called in Zimbabwe? I don't remember what the coin is called. But but anyway, the point is that that worse money, money that gets that is hyperinflating or inflating at a faster rate than than another type of money, people tend to to want to spend that earlier, and it's right. it's quite easy to see because like uh, if you're having a crappy currency in your crappy country, you want to get rid of that first and you want to save in dollars, but because at least the dollars can buy you something next you. month. Yeah. So yeah. so getting paid in Venezuelan Bolivars is like getting paid with an ice cube and it keeps on melting and you need sure. to trade it for something else as soon as you can before it melts away. Uh, so that's what people tend to do. But on a Bitcoin standard, you have damn near perfect money. It's not... Uh, I love this quote from from my friend Tomer Strollite, who said that Bitcoin Bitcoin never needed to be perfect; it just needed to be good enough to last forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle distinction, but it's almost no distinction at all. So, so for all for all uh, practical purposes, Bitcoin is perfect money because it keeps its value over time and over space. So you can teleport it to anywhere uh, one in the world for free using the Lightning Network, and it can keep, store its value for generations. Uh, and the more we act as if it actually could store value for five generations, the likelier it is that it actually can. Because the more we believe in it, yeah. the, the higher the value, the more money to the developers, and the more you can actually secure the network. So yeah. so it's like Pascal's wager actually works if by God you mean Bitcoin. <laughs> so this is another insight from Riga. Like if If I act as if Bitcoin exists... To paraphrase Jordan Peterson's, I act as, as if God mm-hmm. exists. I don't see the point in doing that, but I see a point in as acting as, as if Bitcoin works. Sure. Because if I do, I, I by proxy, I drive up the price and I increase its likelihood to actually work over time. So right. it actually works. Yeah. And Gresham's law, stating that bad money is spent, uh, people are more willing to spend bad money than good, when you're on a Bitcoin standard and the, you know that the Bitcoin st- stack you have is probably the most precious thing you have. Like spending 10,000 sats on a piece pizza today is doing the exact same move as this Laszlo guy did t- 10 years ago when he spent 10,000 Bitcoins on a pizza. The economics are the same. They're as scarce. Sure. Uh, so in the long run, it's the exact same move. <laughs> it's... it's if, 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 I, if I may just uh, interject a little bit here, because uh, I hear a lot of Bitcoiners talk about Gresham's law, which is all good and fine. 
but uh, the inverse Gresham's law, which is known Fear. as Fear's law, yeah. is uh, often uh, disregarded. And it, it's basically the, when the good money drives out bad. And this is yeah. what we experience when we pay in Bitcoin, because it is the superior money, not yeah. only in that it holds value, but what, mm. what is saving for? Saving only makes sense in the context of spending it at some point, yeah. right? But Thier's law is what takes over after Gresham's law has already played out. No, I'm saying that it's already taking over. Like what you said about Laszlo, I don't think, like he didn't make a mistake. Like no, no, there's no. a lot of people saying no. that he knew well, exactly what he was doing. Yes. When I say you're making the exact same mistake, I'm not saying anything about the uh, magnitude of the quote unquote mistake. It might not, not have been a mistake at all, but you're making the exact same economic uh, decision as he made, uh, albeit on a, on a longer time scale, maybe because of like 10,000 sets is a lot smaller than uh, 10,000 bitcoins it's a hundred millionth of 10,000 bitcoins but it's 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 a move on a on a a, a time scale that is a hundred million times longer but it's the same move uh, it's hard to wrap your head around but and from what i understand of theory's law it's it's when like when a country completely hyperinflates and there's no point in using uh, the local currency for anything but toilet paper anymore. People will start do using the better money for trading. So, so when the in Venezuela, for instance, if the bolivar is so crap that people don't use it at all, then people will start using dollars, and that it will happen on Bitcoin too. My my point is that uh, Gresham's law on Bitcoin might just be us being nice to each other and giving us each other our time and effort like we're doing now for instance or you know helping each other out with loads of stuff which we all four of us have experienced we're more willing to do that than to touch our stacks and that is gresham's law playing out on a bitcoin standard yeah i agree with that completely I, but I, my point is that um you know fierce law is it's more relevant to bitcoin like if you never spend bitcoin this like gresham's law kind of drive, drives you into this hodler mindset where you're not ever going to spend. And this is this is yeah. how you inadvertently actually hurt the whole Bitcoin idea and the network because you're not actually using it. Like it's not a lie that nobody uses Bitcoin, but it's, it's also not really true because I can already see like most people who, for example, work with us, they of course get, they prefer to receive Bitcoin rather than, than euros or dollars. and who could blame them? It's the superior money. So yeah. we are already transitioning, uh, transitioning to the uh, world yeah. where people are not lo any, any longer accepting the, the inferior money. Of course, you want to get it off your hands as, as soon as possible. Yeah. But but I'm just saying that it's, it's more beneficial to think in, in terms of inverse Gresham law than actual Gresham law. Although I, I that's never a thing from, from the kindness of Bitcoiners. I think no, that's no. nice inside. I think this is, uh, we need a bit of both. Uh, and this is Bitcoin, using Bitcoin is both, both spending Bitcoin and hodling Bitcoin. And you can make quite a compelling case for both being necessary for the long term success of the currency, or if it even is a currency. I, I, view, I, uh, it's not a currency, it's money. It's, it's, no, well, it's even more than that. It's Bitcoin. It's, it's, uh, there's no better word for it than Bitcoin because it's so much more than all these other things that we label it with. Uh, but where was I going with this? Yeah, I, I've seen that shift happen. Uh, the, the more I, I do this and the more 
like you know from the pre-sale of the latest book was like 95% of the uh, paid in Bitcoin and 90 of those. And, and not only that, mostly like, yeah, like yeah, one and on-chain transaction. Riga, we had a couple of, we had a couple of uh, exchanges in euros, but uh, Luke, what, what would you say? I would say like at least 85% in Bitcoin. Oh yeah, and uh, the only one who needed was one who needed to do on chain, but it was because of Lightning. Uh, he didn't have enough of his channel or something like that, and uh, I, it was, it was yeah. great to see. We we had some uh, problems with Zeus wallet uh, connecting to people's nodes, and you know Tor slowing it down a lot. But that's like, <laughs> well, that's people trying to do advanced shit when they don't really need to. Uh, but it's beautiful to see people. Nerds doing nerdy things and like bypassing the entire, the entire, you know, uh, cardiovascular system, monetary system of the world by just bypassing the whole thing. And we don't need to do that anymore. We can just Bitcoin and not. No, and it was, and it was, it was so great. It was so easy too because it, it wasn't just you there, Knut. There were, there were, there were a few other authors who were all there. And I ended yeah. up only actually doing anything, uh, uh, selling your books myself. But but what I had done is I, I threw out a, a new wallet for your stuff, one for Daniel's stuff, one for Jimmy's stuff, in case yeah, I sold yeah. anyone's. It so took me 10 seconds, and I could have yeah. accepted lightning payments for all of you. Easiest be, thing be, ever. Be your own, people say be your own bank, but you just invented be your own accountant like in, in 10 seconds. <laughs> and and the thing I couldn't do is accept any of that dirty fiat over the credit card networks. So they, they could give me yeah. euros if they wanted to, but but yeah. I, I had no way to accept a credit card. Yeah. And the funny thing was everyone understood that and actually thought that was perfect because yeah, you're at a Bitcoin good. conference, right? Yeah, it's so beautiful. You you couldn't accept stealing from your kids' money, but you could accept every other form of payment. Like exactly, it was <laughs> uh, it was good. Theft, theft from your kids' money was not accepted at the conference. It's beautiful. And to, to maybe try to synthesize this, it, it did show it in action that the Bitcoin is usable and it is used when it's it's necessary. I mean, I I think a lot of people are into the spend and replace type. Uh, idea where you, you know you don't want your stack to go down, but when you actually have to use it, it's so convenient. And the 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 synthesis that I'm I'm thinking of when I'm hearing all of you with the, your your great uh, ideas, I, I think Knut and Nico, you're you're both right in in your own way, and in the sense of that the the Gresham's law as this is as this is playing out. I think when we're talking about this as the circulation of money. Um, we, we don't want to necessarily uh, spend the Bitcoin for the the hodlingness of it all, but then it turns into the the usage of it. it. And what I'm actually trying to get into is that this comes back to the decentralized nature of it, is that everyone's making these decisions on an individual level. No one is coming out from on high and saying, you have to hodl, you have to use it. You get some people who try to influence to say one or the other but then it turns into these decisions that get made on a almost subconscious level whether to use it or not and and so i i think the interplay of these two things together at the same time is first of all interesting and it's going to be great to see how this plays out over uh, the time scales of our lifetimes but the the way i see it working is is that neither of those laws are to call them laws is even maybe too hard, but to that they are 
working is just miraculous because <laughs> this thing isn't controlled by anyone. No, it's uh, you said something in the beginning there, spend and replace. That's the way to do both. And that's that's a great way to onboard new people as well. As you, if you spend your sets, replace them yeah. as quickly as possible. And that, that, that will drive, you know, fiat money into Bitcoin in a beautiful way while onboarding at the same time. So that's, yeah, that's, exa that's, the real it, that's thing. exactly what I was trying to say. Like spending is different from depleting. Like it's a bonehead move to deplete your, your stack and just keep spending. If you don't replace it, like you no. gotta stack more, you, you have to have more sets, you know, today than you had yesterday. Like that's the goal. But you can still use it every day, which is what I do. Yes, and you could argue that that saving is a high time preference thing because you're not investing the money. Uh, yes. I I would say my my uh, there's a, a caveat to that, and that is that during Bitcoin's adoption phase, it's it's not a, a high time preference behavior because you can still be low time preference. It's just that you you plan on spending your Bitcoin after everyone's on board. It, when they will be valued much higher. So, so it is low time preference in any way, but it's another one of those dualities. Yeah. I mean, somebody got, somebody's going to build the moon, right? I mean, if everybody's just going to sit on their stacks and wait for something magical to happen, your hyper-bitcoinization, that's not going to come by itself. Like we all need to be a part of it. And if you just choose to, you know, stack and hold and, and, you know, God forbid, have a fiat job and, and yeah. be addicted oh, to the fiat salary. All, <laughs> and all other stupid stuff you right. in fiat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Back to, back to Rob. Uh, what are your I thoughts on all this? Make a point on that conversation. It, amazing conversation. It was, it, was, it was just the idea of um, the if we, um, for for me and my experience, if if we want to change the psychology of man of humankind and change, have the real revolution revolution because the mind is our is tyrannical for for humans. And so that's the ultimate tyranny. But just coming back to Bitcoin, um, humans, me, I was speaking to the Navius and I said, you know, the only way we can change humanity is not by using our centralized minds and shaping people, which is what the government tries to do. It's like be inclusive, be this, be that. And it, it just creates the opposite, animosity, uh, violence, you know, et cetera. So we have to do it from within. And so the revolution explodes outwards from us dissolving our conditioning within us in the blockchain. And then we change humanity. The only way we can change this reality and humanity is on an individual level. And so my point with Bitcoin is, yeah, we huddle because we get how amazing this is, but in using it, which I like to do and tip and whenever I can send and, and pay is uh, Bitcoin is, in a way, teaching us that on an individual level, we can change the whole world if by just on our own. Like, no one's telling us to do that. We, I just send money to Nico or I send Bitcoin to Andre to did it. And so that, uh, again, is Bitcoin showing the individual that um, by not not doing anything, that we can change that massive system you talked about. A whole uh, society can change by individuals using Bitcoin. I think that's the orange pill to people realizing that on an individual level, we can actually make a difference, but it's not by having a centralized tyrannical control. It's by each individual's self-authority 
no authority? And can we have a system where our children are not subjugating to an authority? That's where it starts, but we're not going to get into kids. But uh, I just see the, you know, Bitcoin is just there reflecting back at us all of this. It's, it's, uh, it's just the most amazing thing. And so when you say, oh, by the way, you're into Bitcoin, you know, when you're in a group and they go, and you're just like, dude, all I do is just, you know, Bitcoin. And then, and you see their face and you go, okay, no, I'm not going to go there because <laughs> um, they're well, just reading newspapers. You know? I, I've noticed a shift in, in, in the tone of the replies whenever, whenever people ask about Bitcoin this year, as opposed to like three years back, like mm -hmm. there's with cab drivers and whatnot, everyone I talk to about it, there's, there's an interest. People are taking it way more seriously than they did a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. They know that it's not a nothing burger. Yes. You know. And people are questioning more the narrative. And Nico, there's a group building in Madeira. Um, there's an ex-military guy. He said he's got loads of friends who wants to meet and to talk about, uh, to, to, they want me to explain what Bitcoin is because they're hearing all of this stuff and they don't know how to buy and everything. So I'm going to, maybe you come along and we'll, yeah, happy to. It's it's really difficult to find people that I like to talk anymore. Like it's come to the point that I just completely lose interest if if uh, you know Bitcoin's off the table because it's literally the only thing that I want to talk about. Yeah, I mean that's the only that's that's the big impact thing that everybody should be interested. I think in. they see the number going up a little bit, but they also I sent him money, and he's not he's uh, maybe Venezuelan or something, and I said, look, bang bang, you know, like lightning network. It was like that, and he was like. You can see it's starting to tick over. I said, Western Union's done. You know that. And, uh, you know. We, so, yeah. yeah uh, before, before you go in, in Knut, I, I just want to say that, you know, about the nerdy stuff. I bought this shirt from, from I supported Bitcoin Racing. And I did an experiment. I'm also using Zeus Wallet to be mentioned earlier. And by the way, it's, it's still in alpha. So there's a lot of bugs and it doesn't always work. But it did work for this one. And, uh, you know, basically I was using... Lightning Bitcoin that was connected over Tor network to my own personal node that it was in another location in another network. So I could be anywhere in the world and send unstoppable money, unstoppable money to anybody for any reason, for any product, for any, like, you know, That's people good. wrap their head around this. It's, it's going to be like retail is done. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, it's truly done. Uh, and it's just a matter of time. It's so, so beautiful. Uh, what we should do more than we, uh, instead of say uh, saying, do you accept Bitcoin? No, sorry. And then we pay in fiat. We should like refuse the service if they don't <laughs> Re refuse to pay at all if they don't accept Bitcoin. All right. Do you accept Bitcoin? No. Okay. We'll find another restaurant then. And like we need to make those sorts of moves uh, more popular within the community, I think, because like, uh, then you make it truly up to the uh, up to the the bartender or the restaurant owner or like the retailer. Well, if, yeah, sure. if, if if you don't accept this, if you don't accept my money, I'm not going to buy your shit. That it's as simple as that. <laughs> and, and maybe to mellow it down a little bit, you could just say that like you you make a sale right now if you, if I can teach you how to accept Bitcoin. But basically the same message. But uh, I think uh, with that uh, you can catch more flies. I think so many merchants are just desperate to sell their shit because they got a huge pile of shit to sit, that they sit on and they need like, <laughs> 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 
they need to store that somewhere and that place probably needs electricity and electricity is going to shit so uh <laughs> electricity is a shit coin nowadays so uh, if you yet just get them curious enough about bitcoin that that's i i think that's a great way to onboard people okay i'll buy your stuff but only if you accept bitcoin the uh the recent uh pumps of the electricity market have looked a lot like uh some shit coins that's been uh, that's been fun Hey, I, I think, uh, um, Rob, the, you've said this phrase a couple of times, and I'm, I'm hoping you can uh, elaborate just slightly. The orange pill to the red pill. So how do you talk about this in your book? Because I, I hope this is part of uh, what we're going to hear about uh, um, that you're releasing. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the, orange, the orange pill thing uh, is when you, you go number goes up and then then you start looking into it and you um, start understanding what money is um, and then you know how this system is like the um, uh, the Wizard of Oz you know and you you start to see more and more uncertainty in the, the, how we we've seen the government and the way society works and so you start to question and you start to get comfortable with the un you start to see how uncertain and how the um, the control they're trying to control but creating um, the opposite. And if you really start looking closely, the more you suppress, the more you will create the opposite action. Uh, the you know the yin yang. And so, for me, the, when I say orange pill, it's like that Trojan horse to the mind. You start it starts creating a space between what your mind thought reality was. To actually, it's not what you think it is. And you, you pull the curtain back, and there's a guy pulling. You know, the the wizard was just a dude, and it was all uh, make believe. And you start to question everything. And so, the moment you start questioning everything, then you're more susceptible to question your own mind and your conditioning. And so, the orange pill to the red pill is that when you really go down the rabbit's hole, it's like the matrix and you you either take the blue pill and go you like most people are so addicted to certainty and so desperate to be told exactly what they want to hear but when you say bitcoin it's actually um for most it, it's too scary so they just you can see that you know they'll run away or they'll react violently and so it's gonna be it, it's it's already there and it's gonna go into everyone and it will um, it's like I've been, uh, I bought some oysters yesterday. So I don't know if you guys eat oysters. And I, I was like, trying not to cut my hand. Um, you know, you're supposed to have these special steel gloves. But what you're doing is you're just trying to leverage it open. And you get a certain amount in a pot and you can, you're in and it becomes easy. And so the orange Bitcoin for me, that is, is um, what I'm so excited about is the people I've met, they're, um, they they've shattered that world view and so they they can see these complex systems much more clearly they're not trying to put their hands in with their centralized mind so they become more decentralized in their thinking with their mind so that decentralized mind and then they become easier to to then go to the ultimate which is that all all your conditioning all your the way you live your life, if you really start to look at it, there's a, there's a tyranny there. 
and you start to in meditation you and when i say meditation i'm talking about um you know there, there's different types of meditation but for me i my my school is called meditation os so there's two levels there's one it's almost like lightning is where um, my system, you remember the scales, the ones and zeros, I've learned to what that is and how to access it. And so that is um, where you, I've kind of de- dematerialized Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, which was acupuncture and herbs and everything. Well, everything's energy. So you, you can, I do that through WhatsApp. I work with athletes through WhatsApp, poker players. Um, I have retainers that I work just everything's been done so light in network instant but then if you come down to the base layer which is de- the decentral um, which is the bitcoin base layer it's very heavy slow and difficult to change but that's where the gold is so um the lightning is a method it's my technique um it's built on top of ones and zeros that's where i, I earn my money but what i've started to do more is look for the deep patterns in the in that decentralized base layer and that's where we change ourselves. And so that's sort of the, the Bitcoin is, you can see, it's amazing how I came up with that base layer and lightning a few days ago at the swimming pool. Um, but when you want to change yourself, it's the hardest thing in the world. Um, but then the, when you start seeing the whole of it, you can see the Chinese understood it, but they just, uh, there wasn't the language of the tech there, the instant stuff. It was, slower but now with bitcoin it's just like how come bitcoin came just as uh you know it's um you know it's my matrix bitcoin's come along i'm like holy shit this thing's exactly what's needed at this time to have a revolution of the mind uh, and to change humanity so i'm kind of like a bitcoiner but i'm a truth maximalist but the two are interrelated you can't separate them you, you know, uh, Rob, I think truth the, maximalism. About I, I love that. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Luke. No, it's okay. I, I, I just liked your point about how you say that, uh, say the, the Chinese, they, they had an idea of this philosophy. What I love about this, uh, one part about Bitcoin in general is that you can see that humanity has been trending towards this for a really long time, really trying to get to some kind of wisdom or philosophy or something. Uh, I was, I was talking on uh, my only other uh, podcast appearance than this one in the Bitcoin uh, world with uh, with John Vallis and uh, about how the Vikings had their own wisdom um, tradition that kind of aimed towards something like Bitcoin being the uh, in- part of the uh, inheritance that actually lives on after death. Uh, they had a whole thing about there's nothing that lives on after death except your reputation and Bitcoin is, is uh, I think, the thing that can do that. But um, this is just me saying that I think uh, the, these parallels, I love to see this because I want to make the connections between the wisdom of humanity that comes out in Bitcoin in such new ways. So I, I think that was great that you said that. And, 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 and just using those words, like wisdom is knowing self. So I think humanity doesn't know itself. And I think Bitcoin is a, a mirror back to be able to start seeing uh, ourselves and therefore more wisdom. There are people throughout the centuries who have understood. And um, my favorite, uh, say my Lao Tzu, um, the Tao Te Ching. If you look at that, you just put Bitcoin. 
Like it just fits in. Like Bitcoin does without doing. Bitcoin, you know, it's like uh, because Bitcoin is is um, the DAO. It's the principles of one. It's zero. It's neutral, and so that it's something part of nature. And then um, so and also uh, J, uh, Krishnamurti, if he was still alive, he'd be. Caning Ethereum, <laughs> he would be uh, like Max Kaiser, but without the um, the screaming. He 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 was a truth maximalist, and truth can only be understood by the self, self authority, by looking within. Everything else, are, you know, philosophies and concepts. But if you want to know the truth about yourself, don't look for any religion or guru. It's it comes from observation of self, and I think he'd be a Bitcoin maximalist. I, I was. I'm going to write about that in the book. So, yeah. Abs absolutely. Like, uh, thought that popped into my head Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice little flirt with Vikings there, Luke. Thank you very much. We know, we love Vikings on this show, don't we? <laughs> that's a, that's uh, a running joke, Rob. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, the the thing I was about to say was that Bitcoin provides you with uh, the eyes of the kid in H.C. Anderson's no, uh, novel, the the Emperor's New Clothes. So you can you can see you put on these goggles and you can see that none of the emperors have clothes; they're all naked. So oh, that's, that's so beautiful. Can you, if when someone was saying about inflation, we were talking about currencies and things, and the, the thought that came to me was like. The ego, um, when I, when someone's working on a legacy and a massive ego, it inflates, inflates. And truth, a, a, a hard money that's completely truthful, and it goes into that law. I'm not too good on the laws, but that will pierce that bubble, like in inflation. Like, and and so when you have a big ego, like um, some of the biggest egos on Twitter, I suppose my star like, will continue to rise. Let's yeah, yeah. Say that. <laughs> Nico showed me that video. Oh my god! I oh, we had a laugh. <laughs> yeah, not naming any names or oh, anything, no. but you know, um, and uh, Gucci bags is another. Um, Nassim Talib. So he wrote a book, anti fragile, and therefore anyone who writes a book, like you, you start seeing the patterns. Well, he's really fragile, and so he tries to make himself really big and strong because that's important to him. But in fact, he's just suppressing his shadow weakness his shadow fragility. And so um, the bigger the bubble, the, you know, and so truth has to be kept to, the, the, the pin has to be kept away from the bubble. And um, Bitcoin is the pin. Yeah. I view like deb debates on what truth is and what it isn't are, are sort of pointless because as I view it, True and false are like the binary of any language. Sure. We, we, cannot, we cannot come to a consensus on the meaning of any other word without first having laid the, founda laid the foundations out uh, for what language means at all. Mm -hmm. And that is something is either true or false. Everyone intuitively knows what, what those two words mean. Uh, because otherwise there couldn't be any other words like dog. Is that a dog? Yes or no? And we know what a dog is because we base we know what true and false is. We we know the question. We couldn't have language without true and false. So there's no there's no point in debating the meaning of the word truth. 
the word truthfulness is completely different and inner truth and like all these other concepts that are built around truth they are different but but the very binary meaning of true and false that's yin and yang one and zero yes or no everyone knows that yeah and for me the thing that i know when i observe myself and i am fearful or i'm angry or that's that's the thing i know is and i and there's no separation i'm getting into my work but there's no separation from the external and internal. And when we say I shouldn't be angry, then you have conflict because we, we all are angry. We all are fearful. We all are greedy. And so when the church says don't be this, you know, then you're, it creates conflict immediately. If you try and live from yeah. the rules, the Bible, you're gonna they're, impossible. they're impossible. They're impossible. They're ask, asking the impossible. Well, they create violence. Yes, and that's that's why I think they should be taken with a large grain of salt because they're impossible to live up to. What you can do is that you can notice that you become an angry, and that yeah. will help you stop being angry because you notice that. No, absolutely. But, but it, that's the extent you can control it. The, sure. You cannot control it to a larger extent than. Well, if you do, at some point you're not. <laughs> so they they can exactly. control, you know, these protocols, but uh, you know these things as you know these other uh, you know shit coins whatever you want to call them but bitcoin's done it's there it's about so it's about paying attention really paying attention to whatever thoughts come into your head paying attention to the outside world paying attention uh yeah. is connected to everything yeah and that's, and that's why take a very sharp mind canute you need a very sharp mind to observe and we're People are so conditioned to not. Yeah, TikTok, for instance, it destroys people's attention, yeah. uh, and we're, we're we're programmed to to uh, pay attention for a microsecond and then switch to something else. Yes. Oh, that was a funny cat. Oh, look at this funny dog, and that's it. And oh, I got a notification here. Someone said, someone poked me, or someone waved at me, like. It's all pointless. So, like, that's a that's a life hack. Turn off your notifications and take back the driver's seat of whenever you check. I mean, don't stop checking your notifications, of course, but but choose when. Centralized mind, fiat mind, and then that's where Bitcoin is the orange pill. Yeah, hopefully, (laughs) we'll see. Hey, I think that's a that's a maybe a great summary here, uh, Rob. I. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your book as it, uh, as it, I, I, it sounds like it's still partially in, in progress, right? The, yeah, it's in progress. So, so coming out hopefully within the next, uh, f- few months or maybe yes. something like that. Yeah. A few months. Great. Great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, uh, uh, very much. And, uh, and Rob, can you, can you say a little bit about, uh, maybe where anyone could, uh, could find your, um, your work or who would like to get in touch with you? Yeah. So, um, on Twitter, I'm at Rob Brindad. Um, I do my profession is I work one-on-one with clients. So if anyone wants is interested, you can DM me on Twitter. I have, uh, my website is robbrindad.com where it has uh, more about how I do my work. And I also have a new website that I've just created. It's a little, um, light on content. It's put all my podcasts there. And that's masterless.life. And fundamentally, it's about being masterless. Like, you know, you're, 
your own keys, you're in charge of them and everything and self-authority. So masterless.life, and I go more into sort of um, samurai, like this, I like mixed martial arts, samurai, and how in, in our minds we have a dojo and it's about not fighting um, and how the katana is molded. I, so masterless.life is more where I took my name out of it. It's more about the content. Yeah. There you see, Luke, we can do ninjas instead of fucking Vikings, you know? <laughs> Never going to give up on the Vikings, Knut. <laughs> we can do pirates, we can do ninjas, we can do zombies, we can do robots, we can do all sorts of things, but no fucking Vikings. <laughs> okay, this has been great, Rob. Thank you for coming on to the Foot Freedom Footprint show. Thank uh, you thanks, so much, Luke. Thank, thank Nico. Thank, thank God you. there's no Vikings here. And... Uh, yeah, see you around. See you next time. Don't miss. Yeah, thanks everyone. Conference. And if you'd like to uh, to support us, uh, the best way to do that at the moment is over the Fountain app or any of the other Value for Value apps. If you want to give us a boost, we'll give you a mention on the next show. So uh, feel free to be as inappropriate as you like. Knut will enjoy those, I think. Uh, and the uh, um, uh, as well, if you want to get in touch with any of us, all our Twitter handles are here. I'm at BTC Pseudofin. Nico is at Omnifin. Knut Spanholm is as it's pronounced. So, um, you know, the name uh, Knut is a, is a hard one for, for some uh, people. But uh, hey, so I, uh, I really enjoyed this discussion, uh, Rob. Uh, looking forward to your book. Um, anything else? anyone before we wrap up i'll see you in amsterdam i'll be going so hopefully you'll be oh, there. perfect yeah we'll uh we'll grab a beer and talk more about writing perfect and, yeah so buy all our shit and listen to all our stuff and uh you know uh keep on hodling and whatever expand other your use, freedom footprint. Use case. expand your freedom footprint increase more freedom dioxide there's nothing to fear but fear itself <laughs> and maybe one more thing to add uh, please do check Nude's new book on, on our uh, MASH version of it so you can actually use Lightning to read the book chapter by chapter the, the address is 21million.consensus.network and uh, it works great it's a, it's a fantastic new way and I think this is going to be the future of how, how a lot of content is going to be consumed a uh, great way to onboard new people to, uh, to Lightning and to Bitcoin because they are planning, the MASH, is, MASH team is planning to add uh, credit card payments. So actually what you can do when you want to buy a book instead of using your like fiat account and, and whatnot, you can just buy uh, Lightning Satoshis to the wallet and use that to read the book. And then if you have some leftover or the value goes up or whatever you want to do, you can just move them to your own wallet, like self-hosted or whatever. So Sweet. really excited about that. And big shout out to MASH for building it. We we should tell Match Mash to to start an escort service and call it Bangers and Mash. What do you think about that? <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> value for value. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been great. Thank. Once again, thank you, Rob. Uh, see you in the next one. Bye.